on the ref with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. PGA Championship underway. Did you see the um, Did you see the funny little fight that happened online? Speaking of the PGA Championship this morning, um, because because of, I guess Big Cat had talked about how ridiculous it was that they were actually postponing it for Frost. And all of these, all the turf management people were like, yeah, dude, that's a really big deal that you have to postpone it for frost <laughs> and freezing temperatures. It was, it was hilarious. It was absolutely hilarious. So he followed a handful of them and then he realized, yeah, this ain't going to work. So <laughs> just tapped out. I mean, I guess, I guess Josh, as funny as it seems from a frost perspective, it's a pretty big deal. It's a pretty big deal whenever you're talking about the turf and not ruining the greens and the and the fairways and so forth, as all my turf management people would tell me. Well, and this being, I mean, any professional golf tournament, but the PGA Championship, they want this thing at Oak Hill throughout this week to be playing at at as peak of the conditions that it can play, right? So you don't go out and, you know, the day one just tear everything up. Yeah, there it was. I found it. It took me a while. I was wondering why Big Cat was trending, but it, it, here was the exact way in which it was phrased. Frost delay has to be the softest delay of all the delays. <laughs> uh, all right, so we'll be keeping our eye on the PGA Championship throughout the morning. And, oh, I, I forgot one thing you missed before we go to the phones at 405-329-9000, Josh. One thing that you missed yesterday that was fascinating. It got a little dicey near the end of the Norman Regional for Oklahoma. Maybe I should clarify. It got a little dicey near the middle part of the back nine for Oklahoma. And for the most part, we're sitting here on the show, and it's, oh, this is going to be cake. They're X amount of strokes clear. It's all good. Then all of a sudden you looked up, and they were only like five or four strokes away from not making it. Yeah. And it got – I was like, okay, we need to get off the air. And then literally as soon as we got off the air, I think they had a a couple of birdies. I think someone even had an eagle to help make things even smoother for them. So, yeah, they ended up doing it once again, Josh, yet another trip to the regional – to the championships for OU Golf. Yeah, that's awesome. Got the the job done, and that's what you expect uh, when you get to play at home. Drew Goodman, runner-up to Texas Tech's Ludwig Ludwig Aberg, the world's number one amateur, lost to him by a stroke, but he got a little tight. Sooners persevered, finished second in their regional, so they're off to the NCAA championships. All right, uh, anything else you want to add before we get to True? We haven't mentioned the playoffs last night. It, no, we haven't. It, it Just one more thing on the regional here. Go ahead. Just to show you, team golf, it can change in a hurry. I mean, when you're talking about – you know, that many golfers going off at once, and all of a sudden you got one team that three or four guys birdie one hole. I mean, it, it dramatically, dramatically shifts uh, pretty rapidly. But, yeah, the NBA playoffs last night, I didn't get to watch because I was in the midst of moving, and I, I still don't have my TV put together at the new place. But uh, kind of shocking, right, that Miami takes game one? Absolutely. Very shocking. Very surprising. And also in that, pretty fun. Pretty fun. All right, uh, True Sooner. What's going on, True? Welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, man, I got a couple of softball things for you, but I was going to tell you, I, I stepped off the porch one time, and I know my 
my POI, our point of impact, wasn't the same as what I'm sure the pressure that Montana Fouts had. But, man, it seemed to me, what I remember about it, it was more nagging than anything. It was like every time you took a step, it was like, ow, ow. And it was like it couldn't heal because you're constantly taking a step. So it got worse, you know. I don't I don't think it's – I've talked to a doctor, but I don't think it uh, – I don't think you could do any permanent damage. I just think it's kind of like a sprained ankle. You know how it's just you're kind of like you never can heal it because you're constantly on it? Right. You know, that t- that type of deal. That's what it was for me. But like I said, I'd, I'm sure I didn't hit I didn't hit the point of impact like she did. Uh, you know, but still. Hey, I had a, I had a couple of things for you. Sure. What's the most – and I think it's Baylor, the loss to Baylor. But what's the most runs that OU's given up in a game? Was it four to Baylor? I th- I actually think it was uh, to Washington. Hold on, let me look. I've got the schedule right here from me. I was just going through it um, earlier this year. I know I'm going to pull up in Washington was probably like one run that they gave up. They gave up a bunch of runs to uh, Mississippi State in a game. Let's see. Uh, they gave up four to Washington uh, in the Baylor loss. They gave up four. Gosh, this is kind of wild to think about that we're going through here, trying to figure out the most runs that a team has given up. And the biggest number right now is four. You know, you know what? It was only three to uh, three to Mississippi State, four to Florida State. So yeah, I guess I guess you're right. True, it is. It's it's the four runs that they gave up. That's crazy. So my point, I, I was thinking yesterday. You know, I had one of the reasons I'm so confident about this team, and it's it's uh, you know, Captain Obvious is their defense. And like this reminds me of the same way I felt about like the 80, 85, 86, 87 OU football team. I just felt like, you know, that, you know, Missouri didn't even cross the 50, you know, in the 80, whatever that was, 85, 86 game. I can't remember. But I'm just kind of like, I just feel like the teams are just not going, especially back-to-back days, are not going to be able to rock this defense um, to where, you know, to keep them down. You know what I mean? I just I just don't see that happening. Um, that's why I feel so confident. But I, I had a question. We got our, a couple of days ago, we got our love field um don't uh, you know seating charts that told you how much money you were going to have to spend uh, donor fees to get a, a ticket behind the plate and donor fees that you know because uh, behind you know first base blah blah blah. So my question is, has OU opened a whole nother room with these? Do- like, is there any other schools that have donor fees for softball? And no. and, and, it, and it's well it's well deserved. I'm not. I'm not complaining about it. They they deserve it as much as as anybody else does. I'm just I'm just like, have they opened up a whole other avenue? Is I mean, because that just tells you where they're at, isn't it? I mean, if, if I can't think of any other schools that have donor fees. I I think you're going to see softball treated in a way in which they want to really become a revenue generator, and. I think and and be able to maintain things through, you know, obviously true when it comes to NIL, when it comes to, you know, having all of their their scholarships fully funded. They want to be a not a separate entity by any stretch of the imagination, but that Patty Gasser right. said it. They want to be a revenue generator. So things that have been free, like parking, I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and say we're probably gonna have to pay for parking. In the new right. stadium, right? And things right. that had just been kind of, you know, for the true diehards had just always been 
part of the deal. Now it's going to be a little bit more expensive. That's not to say they're going to try to take every penny out of your no. pocketbook, but it's going to become, yeah, I think it's different than what you're seeing. There's still schools that don't charge for tickets to games, True, I know it. I know it. I know it. Well, and, and, and I, I feel like in the 80s, you know, uh, Donnie Duncan, God rest his soul, and some of those people up there kind of missed the boat with extending what was happening in OU football, and they got behind the, the eight ball, kind of got behind the times uh, with facilities and until Stoops came along and, you know, struck, you know, lightning struck and, and we got a national championship in, in year two, did we ever get back on pace? And I, I think that softball is kind of, it seems to me like they're kind of getting ahead a little bit and seeing this thing uh, before it, you know, you don't want you don't want that to happen again. I mean, you're going into the SEC. You don't want that to happen before you get behind the times. Yeah, you know, you got to keep up with the Joneses. And in this case, I think Oklahoma is the Joneses. You could right? not the left field. No, no, no. You could not be more right. I just and I appreciate your call, True. All right, see you, man. I know it's going to become more expensive. It's just the reality of growth, and I hate it. I hate it for everyone involved. But in the same vein, it's also going towards – it's not just going towards somebody's pocket. It's going back into the program. I think sometimes we see a price increase. I'm very guilty of this. And we see a price increase, and all of a sudden I'm like, it's just trying to get more money for the man. But in this instance, it's really – it's trying to put softball, Oklahoma softball, to continue to be in its own stratosphere where – I don't know, the, the financial support, the financial income is, is matching what they're doing on the field. And it's gonna, pretty tough. <laughs> it's going to be pretty tough to get there with how good they are. But, yeah, it's going to be a little bit more expensive. I think most people kind of understand that and accept that. But in the same vein, I've, I've learned a very valuable lesson, Josh Helmer. After having to buy Lauren Dongle or Dangle tickets the other day, I – I, I am fighting against fees. <laughs> I'm fighting against fees in tickets, number one. And number two, I'll never tell you what's too expensive or isn't because I don't pay for tickets. And when I do, I'm usually mad about how expensive they are. I get to go to games. It's one of the great blessings of working in sports media. And it took me several years to understand this, that when you're coming from an ivory tower, if you will, and I'm sitting here on my bully pulpit telling you, well, you just got to pay more, that's a really crappy thing for anyone in an industry that gets free access to every single game to sit there and, and preach to you about. So I'm, I'm growing. I'm learning, people. It's part of the process. But it is unique, Josh. I mean, it's more than just winning championships, right? It's building a foundation for years and years and years to come. Well, and at Oklahoma, the demand is so great and the product is so good that, uh, you know, ticket prices, you, you got a pretty good indication of what's going to happen there. But you get to see the best of the best, the best in the right. world, in the best facility. So Against the great schedule. And, and for Oklahoma, the, you know, like building Love's Field, the return on investment, you're, gonna, you're going to get ROI. 
on uh, Love's Field because of the fan base and because of the tradition of excellence. So really from from all sides for the university, what they're going to get out of expanding the the stadium, out of probably ticket prices elevating maybe a little bit here and there, and what fans are going to get, you're going to get the the best schedule in America now that you you jump to the the SEC going forward. So I I just think it's a win-win for everybody. Can I give you a couple quick stats? Now, these aren't stats. These are trends from our, I guess, matchup notes more than anything else. So you know me. I, I nerded out the other day, and I found one of my favorite stats, which was Jordy Ball hasn't allowed a run in relief this year. She's came in for relief, or she's pitched 18 and a third innings in relief and has 23 strikeouts and has given up just six hits. So it's pretty wild. Pretty wild numbers overall as far as the amount of innings that she had pitched and how good she's been coming out of the pen. Now do the uh, starting pitching stats. Oh, yeah, no kidding. They're equally as impressive. Here are the here are the numbers that Patrick Dunn said. We'll check these out as far as just some happenstances based on the team that Oklahoma is playing and the teams that they could play in the regional. You ready? I'm ready. OU played Hofstra in 2019. Grace Lyons hit her first career Grand Slam in that game. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, all right. I I do not ever remember playing Hofstra, Pat. I think you're making up a number right now. And then I realized, oh, yeah, not only did they – not only did they play Hofstra in 2019, but it was it was after a pretty frustrating night in the first and only appearance that Oklahoma has made in the Clearwater Classic. And we played on an auxiliary field, and we beat them 17-3, Josh, was the final score. <laughs> so first ever Grand Slam for Grace Lines came in 2019 against Hofstra. Now, you might say, boy, that seems a little bit of a soft note. I need something better. All right, here you go. Missouri, whom the Sooners could likely play on Saturday at 2. The Sooners' last Big 12 Conference Series loss was to the Tigers in 2011 in Columbia. (laughs) The last time that Oklahoma lost a Big 12 Conference Series was to a team that has been out of the league for, what, has it been like eight years, nine years since Missouri was in the Big 12? Maybe a decade. Oh, I think, yeah, I think longer than that. (laughs) So there's that. And then there is this. Do you know who Oklahoma's first ever Women's College World Series opponent was? There's a trend here. Well, I mean, I'm guessing it's Cal. You are correct, Josh Helmer. California was Oklahoma's first Women's College World Series opponent on May 25th in 2000. The Sooners beat the Golden Bears 2-1 in the World Series opener and went on to win the first national title in program history. How cool is that for three random notes, right? That's that's pretty wild. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's interesting. And good good digging, good research. Good job, Patrick Dunn. Good job, Patrick Dunn. And 
There was the um, there was the other point that was brought up yesterday by oh Eric Lopez, and you know you've got a situation in Hofstra where Larissa Anderson was the Hofstra head coach in 15, 16, 17, and 18, and then she left to take the Missouri job. So the former Missouri, or the former Hofstra coach, could potentially play her own team in a loser Leafs town match on Saturday afternoon. Oh, the storylines coming up in the Norman Regional. All right, tonight is a big night on campus. It's Bedlam Baseball. We'll hear from Skip Johnson and Josh Holiday next right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. I'm gonna. I'm just going to tell you right now, it is really a mind bleep to not be able to see you. We're going to have to come up with some sort of, what's the best way to put it? You know, during the uh, XM shows, they always make sure that we're on um, Zoom during the shows. I need to set up a Zoom call so I know whenever you're just outright ignoring me or whenever someone's in there bugging you. Or I have a phone call off the air. and Right. <laughs> which is usually, that's usually what's taking place. I've said it many times. Sometimes the show off the air is infinitely better than the show on it. We've just got to find a way to bridge that gap. I know. How, however we can monetize that would be, would be a, a very nice thing. Am I supposed to know this guy that's leading the PGA Championship right now, Kazuki Higa? No. Higa? Okay. <laughs> no, I, I don't think uh, anybody knows him. The interesting thing is, what, John Rahm's already uh, under par here early? So I just have a sneaking suspicion. I'm not going to outright pick John Rahm to win, but uh, I think he's going to be heavily, heavily involved right to the finish line, and it wouldn't shock me. If he does win this thing and then we turn around and we're talking U.S. Open, Open Championship about, hey, is this realistic that Rom could, like, win all four this year? It'll be talked about quite extensively. Are you guys doing the Gimme Zone Saturday morning? We will be, yeah. Yeah, so that, that's the fun part about majors is you're doing the show right on moving day. So you've got all these it's, – it's like – you wish you had gotten to do the show right as the tournament started, but then at the same time you're right at the midway point, which is a, a good time to, hey, what's going to happen in the rest of this major? Um, this is interesting. A little breaking news. The miss um, from Nicole Arbach. This is interesting. And I think it's kind of brilliant. And we've heard the Big 12 talking about trying to do this. But according to a report from Nicole Arbach, the Pac-12 will be implementing the following in-game and pre-game football access initiatives with broadcast partners ESPN Fox Sports and the Pac-12 Network. Number one, in-game head coach interviews. Number two, pre-game and halftime locker room camera access. Oh, my gosh, is Lincoln going to be okay with that? Three, coaches and select student-athletes wired on-field pregame. Number four, cameras in the coaches' booth without sound. And number five, extended handheld camera permission. You want me to, to kind of bring that down to the most obvious answer here? They're, they're trying to say, hey, um, 
we'll let you do whatever you want if you decide that you're going to spend money with us. Hey, look what we're letting these people do for one year to show you how cool it can be. And, again, we have the the Big 12 sent out the we are exploring these opportunities, I think, a couple of weeks ago, right? The Pac-12 is now saying we are implementing these opportunities. So, I don't know, Josh. It sounds to me as if the Pac-12 is saying, look, you want to do a deal with us? Here's here's not not only are you going to get the excitement of Oregon State and Oregon, but my friend, you are also going to get this kind of access, right? The Pac-12 is saying, look, we're desperate, and yes, we will allow camera access. <laughs> the uh, you know all of that sounds great, though I'm not crazy about head coach interviews mid game. I just I am in not any either. Sport, it's such a you just don't. Every once in a while, you'll have a coach or two that embraces it and and really, you know, gives you some good answers. But generally speaking, usually you don't get very good answers. And frankly, I can understand that from the head coach's perspective. The rest of it, before the game, I mean, to see the players and have them mic'd up and the warm-ups and and things, that could be really pretty cool. The assistant coaches in the booth, I – I almost feel bad for them. I know you're not going to have the mics hot, but look, there's people that know how to read lips, and right. I, I don't know. I mean, how much can you steal from getting access to the booth? I mean, are we going to get to the point to where somebody, somebody's got, uh, you know, the ability to to look into the booth and oh, oh man, they just they're about to run this play because we read their lips. I just. <laughs> <laughs> the the paranoia from coaches, I can understand where they're not going to be crazy about that. Oh, my gosh. They're going to lose their minds over it. Binoculars to the booth. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, listen, tonight is a big night as far as baseball is concerned. We get Bedlam baseball in Norman, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. I, I wouldn't worry too much about the weather from everything that I've seen, at least the updates I've got this morning. This is going to move out. And it's going to be a nice day. Let's see. Here's here is the latest update. Intermittent scattered rain showers and lightning storms today. More numerous throughout midday. Showers look to be fewer in number and more widely scattered throughout the evening. And then rain fills back in in the overnight. So I feel like we're pretty good to go tonight for Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in Bedlam baseball. Here was uh, Toby had Skip Johnson on this morning. You know, I got to admit, uh, Josh. I was um, I was a little bit be hurt the other day, because I didn't get the call to do some baseball. They're putting Chad and Toby on a broadcast together, and they're simulcasting. Meanwhile, you know what I'm doing tonight? I'm sitting on my hands. I'm watching the, I'm watching the Lakers game. I was available. I used to get to call baseball. Now I. I can bring some good karma that way. Things seem to be rolling right now with softball, but no, no, no. Not only did they get the stiff arm from that, but did you see what happened on the crossover today? Did you hear what happened? What? No. What? what happened? I got punted for Josh Holiday. Oh well, I mean, admittedly, that that sort of makes sense for one day. You're on my team on this one, Josh. What the hell are you doing right now? I mean, don't you want to hear from the coach? This is good for us. We can Now we can turn around and play some of those guys. This is the home of Sooner fans. But, no, in all seriousness, Josh and uh, Skip were both on this morning. So we'll play a little bit of uh, Josh Holiday coming up here in just a second. But Toby asked Skip about a player that maybe has exceeded his expectations this year. Maybe McKenzie, you know? Mm, yeah. 
McKenzie, because he's so athletic, he can play anywhere on the field. You know, I think that's been – and uh, uh, he, he surprised me. I think uh, Wallace has surprised me. I think – I mean, there's been a lot of them really. Not not really surprised me as much as uh, – uh, and not disappointed. I mean, you get – that's the thing about baseball. You, you, I mean, when can you be really disappointed? It's a game of failure. They're going to fail. Good, good, good right here. I'll give you one. I'll give you one. Not, this guy's been a very good part of your team for several years now, but how about Braden Carmichael, Carmichael. doing what he's done this yeah. year? Yeah, it's been awesome. I mean, this, the selflessness of what he's done is what is really has uh, uh, been great for me. I mean, I mean what the guy came that? in. Well, he started as, as his first year. So we get the, we get these three starters last year. Move him in a different row. Struggles with that row, but maintains being having, having a good attitude, being a leader, and start him in the bullpen this year. Start starting him a little bit. Comes out of the bullpen, throws like six scoreless. Man, he earned every right to go back out there. Going back out there, and he's been good ever since. Yeah. No, he's been unbelievable. Oh, I keep trying to stop this thing, but I am just not good at stopping it. Gosh. You know what I decided to bring with me today, don't you, Josh? I've got the MacBook with me. So that means I can't do anything. Brain Carmichael, been a really good find. The red, well, I say a really good find. He's, he's been around for a minute, obviously. I uh, came to OU in 21 from Grayson. And that, that's tough, right, whenever you go from being – a starter and a regular part of the rotation, and then it's like, all right, we're going to send you to the pen. But he was pretty good against Gonzaga this weekend, uh, was able to hold West Virginia, a very powerful team at bay. I thought I thought the best I saw him was, or I guess in this case listened to him, was when he pitched one of the midweek games against ORU. It looked really good. So Brain Carmichael has been a, a big-time difference maker. And I don't know. Are you into the nuts and bolts of this matchup, Josh, or is it more to you just kind of looking at it and saying, okay, here's what happens if you win two of three, or here's what they need to do to feel a little bit better about where they are um, as it pertains to the postseason? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm probably more big picture just what the results of winning this series would mean for Oklahoma in terms of an at-large berth and knowing that you're right there right there on the bubble on the cut line. So it's pretty straight and simple and straightforward here. Win this series and you're looking good, don't, and all of a sudden you got your work cut out for you in the Big 12 tournament. Yeah, and uh, they're going to take on John Watts-Brown, one of the big transfers that came, and he's been fantastic this year. Toby asked Skip, hey, what what makes him what makes him so good? Don't give up yeah. solo shot. Wait, hold on. Let's try that again. What makes him – so good. What about the guy, Jerron Watts-Brown? This was one of the most highly heralded transfers going into the season in the country. you got to face him tonight on the mound. What do you see out of him? Yeah, he's a, he's got electric stuff. I mean, it'll be up to 96, uh, power breaking ball, power slider, plus changeup. Um, I mean, it, he's uh, uh, dynamic. I mean, it, every everything that everything that they, they uh, talk about, He's got all those weapons. Can he put them together? We'll see. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a dynamic package for sure. Yeah, he's been really, really something else to watch so far this season. In fact, I was looking at his numbers. Um, 
five and three, a four point five two ERA, and let's see what's the opponents hitting just two oh seven against him. And here's thirty nine runs given up this year, but five unearned runs. So his team not helping him out very much behind him, but he's uh he's solid. He'll his next strikeout will be his one hundredth on the season. I was trying to find innings pitched to total for him. But yeah, he's he's an impressive guy. He's one of the he's one of the big dogs for Oklahoma State. It'll be big for Oklahoma to jump on him early. All right. One other thing. Let's see, four minute mark. One other thing. Toby asked Skip about some of the new rules, right? And you've had new rules as far as getting on the mound, pitch clock, things of that nature. How has Skip seen the team adjust? It seems like guys have kind of settled in to, you know, have figured it out and kind of settled in here. Is that, do you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Over a period of time, baseball players have always adapted. I mean, think about what we have done to adapt. I mean, we've got 11.7 scholarships divided between 27 players. We adapt the roster. Think about, I mean, think about the hours that we get to spend working on a game of failure. We get 20 hours a week working on a game of failure. We're going to adapt. The kids are going to adapt. That's what we've done as baseball coaches and baseball players. They're always going to adapt. It might take a little bit of time to adapt, but we're going to adapt. They did. They did. All right. Um, Anything else to add from the OU side of things, Josh? We'll get a little Josh Holiday coming up in just a bit, but that was Skip Johnson. If you missed the full interview, it's fantastic. It's available on our podcast page right now, or uh, however you consume podcasts, most of you Apple, simply search The Ref, and it's right there. I can't wait. Ready for this series, man. It's a huge one. It's Bedlam. Let's go. All right, quick break. When we come back, we'll hit the text line, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. We're at Cavens Group on a Thursday. Call Cavens today at 405-573-3048. When the emergency hits, make them your first call, Cavens Group, CavensGroup.com. It's Plank Show. Do you know one thing I'm fired up about that nobody, I think, listening right now gives two bleeps about? What's that? You're a big golf guy, right? You love you love the world of golf. You're going to sit down and you're going to watch a lot of PGA Championship this weekend, right? Absolutely. I am going to take in every single second of NASCAR's return to North Wilkesboro Speedway this weekend. That's going to be awesome. And uh, for those that aren't familiar, uh, North Wilkesboro Speedway, well, why am I sitting here explaining something that I just admitted that nobody probably cares about outside of me? Well, no, I'm actually curious. I, I want I want to know why you're interested. So, it's it's a track that used to be a major stop on the NASCAR Winston Cup circuit, and it always I mean it's an old school oval, and it's always it was just a regular stop on the nascar series and when nascar i guess in the early 2000s started to progress and grow more towards super speedways it's it kind of outgrew kind of outgrew the um nascar outgrew north wilkesboro so they closed i think they first closed in 96 and then they closed again in 2009 I don't even remember when the last uh, NASCAR race was. So they, what they basically did, Josh, is they did a good old HGTV 
um, move that van. And they renovated North Wilkesboro Speedway, and they're holding the uh, All-Star Race there this weekend. So kind of excited about it. 1996 was the last time that they raced the old Winston Cup there. And so now they're back this weekend. And Very I'm curious cool. Kind of, kind of cool. A lot of fireworks will be shot. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, instant reaction from uh, Johnny from Yukon who writes, uh, look, they're making a left turn and another one and now two more. <laughs> and then for the 904, love NASCAR. I love this station. I absolutely love the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. 580, I care. Uh, <laughs> I, there you go. 580 is in with me. I'm pumped, dude. I am I I was thinking about this the other day. I remember way back in the day, like I was I was into NASCAR to the point where I when we would do like a not group date night. I didn't have that many friends, but my wife at the time would have a friend from school. She's like, "Hey, so and so and so and so are going to come over for dinner," and I'm like, "Great, they can watch the NASCAR race." And it was like, "No, no, no." I'm like, "Oh, absolutely." I would be like a who are the guys that go door to door and try to sell you on their religion? What uh, they ride the bikes everywhere, have the shirts. You know what I'm talking about, right? Jehovah's Witnesses. Yes, yes. I was like the Jehovah's Witness of NASCAR. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! <laughs> sit down, sit down. Let me tell you about this track. No, 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 Craig, Craig, Craig. Sit down right here next to me, man. <laughs> this is this is the open. This L- is the All Star Open. Listen, here's crazy. why you care about this race. Let me tell you. <laughs> So I, I am very, very, very excited about NASCAR being back this weekend. All right, to the text line. Let's get a few of these. You guys have been waiting long enough with all of these, uh, with all these incredible takes. Here is one from Frisco Sooner, who writes, "OU softball is fifty-one and one. They have won forty-three straight games and have only given up four runs in a game just twice this year. Did I hear that correctly?" That's just ridiculous. I mean, you would expect at least once this year they would have had a bad day in the circle or made multiple errors or had to win a game 8-7 to seven or something like that. How can that not shock you? But crazy thing about it is somehow it's just normal. Here's what's crazy, Frisco Sooner. All of your numbers are correct. Absolutely wild, right? But, Josh, the funny thing is – the shocking part to people is when they give up four runs. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. Amanda's got someone that they're training that's new here. She's like, who is the crazy man that is in there talking and throwing things? What is wrong with that crazy person so, in the conference room? Sorry. Just once a week, there's, we bring it's, this and poor Amanda's crazy like, guy in. Listen, his name is Chris. I mean, he's really doing a radio show. It's not just something fake in there. So just you, you, you tolerate him for three hours on a Thursday, and then you're good. But I'm just – it's funny because you're right, Frisco Sooner. You're 100% right. The, the the jaw-dropping awe should be with, wow, what they're doing. And I think for the most part it is. But yet there's that faction where it's like, man, I'm a little bit worried about Jordy Ball. I mean, she walked two batters the other night. <laughs> That's where we are. Uh, breaking news, they, they never, and I mean ever, Josh Helmer, allow any of it to get to your heads. Uh, here's one. I like this. We were talking about how the Pac-12 has thrown out the 
opportunity for enhanced access for its TV partners. I think I kind of agree with the 405. I want to hear your guys' reaction to this. As a fan, I don't know how much you really get out of all this expanded access. It's more coach speak from the coaches and more opportunities for people to say something stupid and generate controversy. Yes. I've told you guys this a thousand times. I know it's cutting off my nose to spite my face because I want more access. But all I feel like I really have happened to me when I get that more access is I get in trouble because something that no one thinks no one wants out there gets said or gets out there. So when it's like, hey, man, I can't wait to watch this XFL game because Cole Kublik gets to go out and interview the guy as soon as he scores a touchdown. I'm like, that's awesome. More opportunities for that guy to say something about what play they ran and then drop a bomb to get us both canceled. You know, I, I understand it sounds all cool and the networks are all about it. Maybe this is me becoming an old man, but the only thing I really dig about the expanded access would be a look inside the replay. That's it. Let me inside of that conversation between official and replay person. That's what I want to know. I mean, if you're, you're like, hey, you can hear a play being called. Awesome. That'd be like a foreign language to a majority of us. I want to know what goes into the replay, what you're seeing and how that conversation is. That's what I want to know as a fan. Now, tell me I'm an old curmudgeon and I need to shut up. If you got access to a coach talking to a player NFL film style, that'd be cool, but I don't think we're getting that. You know, like right before a play or this or that, you know, players being mic'd up. In-game, I mean, sure, I'm all for that. But, uh, you know, the the random coach interview midway through where they're going to tell you absolutely nothing, the uh, access to the locker room where, again, they're going to be very buttoned up because they don't necessarily want you in there. I, I don't know. Maybe that part Maybe. could be pretty good. Okay. But uh, – and the, the cameras on the coaches without the microphones, basically we're just going to see somebody go ballistic in the booth every <laughs> yeah, once in a while. Yeah, I know, right? Are we all waiting for our Ken Dorsey moment? Is that what everyone wants? Do you want to see a coach lose his mind? Because that's all you're going to get. And now coaches, I mean, now coaches are going to hide their mouths even more and look even more ridiculous when they're when they got the notebook up over their mouth and they're talking. Brad at Bartlesville, we're just a few steps away from players promoting their NIL opportunities. It's like, touchdown, Billy Bowman returns the interception, Toby's losing his mind, and all of a sudden I'm like, Billy, congratulations, man, take me through that touchdown run. Well, I'm going to tell you something. What was the what was the drink in idiocracy? <laughs> I was, but if I didn't have my if I didn't have my juice from Jenkins, I wouldn't be here right now. Juice from Jenkins, right off eleventh and Jenkins. Go check it out, guys. Touchdown, we're on lead now. Let's go get him, guys. <laughs> Is that what we're eventually going to get with Brando. enhanced acts? Brando! Brando, that's right. <laughs> Brando. Let me tell you about Brando. What is wrong with this water fountain? Water fountain? Yeah, you got water around here? <laughs> you mean like in toilets? If you haven't seen Idiocracy, stop what you're doing. Go watch it. You'll thank us later. It's almost like the world we're living in right now. I mean, we are just a couple steps away from a wrestler being president. You know, I mean, look out. All right, quick break. You guys are on fire today. It's good to see. It's good to see. 
Hit up my Chevrolet text line. Listen, top five stories today coming up at 10, uh, 11 a.m. this morning. We, we had JT on yesterday. I want to share a little bit of what he had to say. And Patty was on Teddy and Gabe's podcast and had something really, really cool to say about adjusting as a head coach. And I want to share it with you next right here on The Ref. All right, I mentioned uh, Teddy had talked to Patty on his podcast, and I thought this was really, really good on the Oklahoma Breakdown, asking about relating to players now and how it's changed from, you know, when she was a player and a young coach to today. Oh, no. When I was a player, I wouldn't even look at the coach in the eye. I was so intimidated. By the, I wouldn't even look at him in the eye. I just put my head down and did my job. I There was no real friendship or connection, or I certainly didn't feel like I would – contact them after i graduated much things like that coach um, coach asked you for a one-on-one meeting you're getting cut right <laughs> <laughs> it was always something that st- you know your stomach just got sick like oh gosh what did i do or what what the un unexpected and i i don't want players to think that way about me i want them to um feel like they can talk to me and we could laugh together. I like to joke with them some. Um, as I get older, though, there still is a little bit further disconnect because they just don't understand my kind of music and I don't understand theirs very well, you know, those kinds of things and the way you dress and so forth. But uh, they have fun trying to teach me things and uh, – I just go along with it. Even though I look like a fool, it's just a way for me to connect to these guys. And that's really important. It it is so that they buy in to me and really see me as a human versus some kind of authoritative figure. I don't want that. I thought that was the coolest thing from that interview and talking about how she's adjusted her approach. You know, Coach, Coach Casso is the best. I mean, she's just the best. There is, from her incredible ability to to kind of weave between amazingly talented, next-level coach, to caring, loving grandma, um, to ball-busting best friend. What I mean, she is just, there's, there isn't anything she can't do. And to see the way that she's constantly evolved as a, as a head coach, it's, it's really exciting to see. She deserves it. She deserves it all, man. All the flowers, all the respect, all the praise. We'll talk sooner softball in the top five stories of the day coming up next right here on The Ref.